Welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. We are playing a greatest hit series, and today we will be replaying episode 24. I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 24. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, today I have the unbelievable treat and pleasure of having my dear friend, Catherine Ruck, here. She's actually staying here at Sabbath Rest in my little retreat space, and she is, in my opinion, one of the foremost experts on the topic we're going to be covering today, and I just feel like dancing in the aisles because she's here with me, and I know you're going to love the information she's going to share with you. Catherine and her sweet husband, Stuart, are the parents of six homeschooled children. They range from ages 9 to 23. Catherine has a master's degree in literature from Northwestern University. She's taught at a lovely Christian prep school and other schools in high school English. She's been homeschooling for the last 20 years, and she's only just begun. (laughs) And um, her husband is the Bishop of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in America. And she has years and years of experience that she's going to be sharing with us today. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much. And I have to just say, this Sabbath rest place is truly a rest. It's gorgeous. Carol thinks of everything. (laughs) Everything is perfect in here. It's gorgeous, artistic. I just feel so full and blessed. Well, it's been beautified by your presence. Okay, I have to start by making a quick correction. I am not the foremost expert on this topic (laughs) from an academic sense. But in my opinion. Well, I know. (laughs) That's something. But um, I think where I probably have a lot of experiences in healing prayer Mm. and in the reading that this has taken me into because of uh, what I see in people, this fundamental missing block. And of course, we have to tell you what our topic is, which we haven't done yet. (laughs) So we're going to be talking today about how bonding is so fundamental in the formation of personhood and maturity. So Catherine, why is this topic important to you? Now wow. you can answer yeah, right. that. Right, I just jumped in right away. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I would say that I um, had my own story of uh, difficulties in bonding early on, not because of anything my mother did wrong, but because she had a clinical depression when I was very young, and so naturally I was isolated and alone something that she was very grieved about. But as I grew older, I began to notice patterns in myself of anxiety, also just um, my own need to be noticed, recognized, affirmed, that was, I knew, unhealthy, and also a very difficult uh, capacity to engage with the Lord emotionally. Like, I knew his love. I was confident in it. I had been raised in such a a wonderful family where the gospel was central, but this was hard for me um, to feel that connection with the Lord. So then when I I became a pastor's wife and we got into a lot of healing prayer with people, I began to notice the patterns in so many healing situations where there was something fundamental 
missing. missing. Yeah. Something very early on that was precognitive often yeah. so that people didn't even know how to articulate it. Yes. And, um, and, and we just know there's something here in me that's a lack of well-being, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes a lack of a sense of being, like yeah. just even sensing I'm a person yes. that is here, that's delighted in, yes. that has been welcomed into the world. The world has a place for me. Mm. Which brings me to my next question. So how do people become persons? Well, uh, I think it's, it's wonderful to look at Scripture and to see from the creation on what God's intention was for the development of a human being, and it's really very beautiful. Uh, relationship and the ability to be connected and stay connected is something that was what God wanted. He created us to be connected to him. And you think about let us create man in our own image. There was already love there in the Trinity and this spilling over of connection to create a human being to be close to the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, after Adam was created, it was it's not good for him to be alone. Mm-hmm. He needs someone else. And so uh, they made Eve. And so it, it's just a beautiful picture of the beginning of human life being forged in community and connection. But then to make the next human being, it was a woman bringing something and a man bringing something together to make a new human being. And to this day, there is no other way to do it than for a man and a woman both to bring something from their bodies that creates another human being. So this uh, ecosystem, I like to think of it, of, of connection is what God intended for us. Now it gets disrupted because we live in a fallen world, yes. and that's one thing we're going to talk about. Uh, but I think in this day and age, uh, we need to come back to this mm-hmm. because there is a lot out there that diminishes the importance of this bonding yes. in the shaping of a human being. Okay, so give me some examples. What's the enemy of bonding? So Satan has, from the beginning, mm-hmm. sought to Ooh. separate. So the, the question should have been who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what? Well, <laughs> you see him from the very beginning trying to separate human beings from God. Yes. You see the separation between man and woman yes. when they um, acknowledge their nakedness and all of a sudden there was shame yes. between them. And then even with the curse, how God said that there would be something between them where the woman would seek something from the man that originally she sought sought from the Lord. Um, There's pain in childbirth. And then if you just take it down through the centuries, the separation between the love act and the creation of a child Mm -hmm. that has become rampant since contraception, and then uh, the separation between husband and wife and divorce, the separation of, and, and even things beyond our control like death or yes. illness, yes. and then the separation between mother and child, which I think is the deepest concern right now that we see in our society. Yes. Just this move that somehow it's taking something away from a woman if she primarily gives her life to developing this next person, the next generation even. Yes. Somehow it's diminishing her instead of yes. fulfilling her yes. to give this life away. Because it has no value in our culture. This is not considered a primary uh, what job or... Right. Know, right. Well, and I think that takes us to um, 
just something that we struggle with in our lives, which is to understand the value of what's hidden, but is a treasure in the eyes of the Lord. And I think it's interesting that the scriptures talk a lot about the kingdom of God that's found in the small, a seed that's hidden and then begins to grow. It's a principle of God's kingdom is that life often begins in a hidden place, but if it's given the right conditions, this life will always expand to something that's beyond imagination. This is very important because we as moderns are very impressed by big beginnings. <laughs> and we're materialists. Yeah, and we actually really like to skip the small. Yeah. We like to skip over even periods of life. We even have trouble believing in the hidden. So it's essential that we understand that the tiny beginning of a person has the trajectory to adulthood. Everything is there for, for personhood. Yes. But it really takes an ecosystem to develop that person into adulthood and every stage of that development is really essential and consequential Mm. what's experienced in the womb in that in the first appearance in the world in delivery in the first months and then the years of life the events of day to day and year to year they really all have an impact on who we are After two years of virtual webinars, I'm more convinced than ever that we need one another. We can't homeschool in isolation. 2022 is the year that we are taking the show back on the road. The first seminar of the year will be on January 30th in Loma Linda, California. I'll teach my basic seminar a literature-based approach to education. This is a Sunday afternoon seminar from 12.30 till 7.30 p.m. Feel free to bring your own food for our 4 p.m. break. This will be a great time of gathering with like-minded families to be inspired and refreshed for the next leg of your homeschooling journey. I'll also be bringing books with me, so come ready to build your family's home library. Early bird registration ends January 20th. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com forward slash upcoming seminars to learn more and register today. I look forward to seeing you in Loma Linda on January 30th. Now back to this show. So give me some specifics. Um, How can we yeah. focus on these areas and meet these needs even if we've never even thought about this before? Right. Well, let's start with what probably I would say is normal of how God designed this. So he designed for, and this is beautiful, for a baby to be developed for the first nine months in the most connected way possible, which is inside the body of another person. I mean, that's unbelievable. It is. And it starts very small. Uh, and the, the mother, it takes a while even to believe that there's another one there and to allow that consciousness to bring about and awaken that nurturing feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great book that I read when I was pregnant with my first child that really um, was enlightening for me. And it's called The Secret Life of the Unborn Child mm. by Thomas Verne. And he talks about what they've studied um, about what's happening for a child in the womb. It's, it's really mind-blowing. Yes. Uh, their awareness, their ability to distinguish the thoughts of the mother, 
um, their ability to, of course, learn to recognize the voice of the mother. And, and the father. And the father. And the feelings of the mother toward the child. Like, am I accepted or rejected? And it's all there. And so then you go from that into this introduction to the world. And, you know, it's just... I mean, part of the curse, right? Yes. That labor is going to yes. be hard. Yes. And so, and that things can go wrong. And there's so many things that go wrong. But there's also a lot that science has done both to save children, but also in their misunderstanding of what needs to happen in birth can create conditions that are hard yes. or make it more difficult for a mother to begin to bond with her yes. baby. Yes. So this is unbelievable. When the baby is going through the birth canal, all these... Um, places in their brain are being stimulated by the birth canal so that their awareness when they come out into the world is very heightened. Yes. So that they that first connection physically outside of the womb with a mother and father is just heightened. It's, mm. it's an impact on them. Mm. So you can imagine when births are difficult yes. and a child is struggling and they're feeling the stress and they come out into the world and like it's happened in a couple of my births you know the beeping and the concern and everybody around and the fear the child ingests that instead of that first welcome of it's a boy it's a girl which is that first declaration of identity that's so beautiful you're loved you're welcomed you're accepted we're we can't wait we're so glad you're here we've yes. wanted to see you yes. all those messages that a child has should, been, should be receiving mm -hmm. since being in the womb. Like, I can't wait till you're here, mm -hmm. till you're here. And I can't believe it. And look at these fingers and these toes. <laughs> and just that sense of delight and joy mm -hmm. um, is, is core to the beginning of a child. So what happens when that gets disrupted? Well, first of all, I, I just want to say that those first few hours of a child's life are like an eternity for that child. Mm -hmm. If they're whisked away from the mother, they have that child has no sense of time. Mm. And if the mother's not present and the mother is never his identity. Ever. Right. Not one second. Not right. one second. Yeah. All of a sudden Where's they my Yeah, they it's almost like they have no sense of, of uh being alive because the mother owns their neurosystem and that's something I'm gonna say. The mother owns the baby's neurosystem for at least the Ex first year of explain life. Explain that. So the baby uh, learns to respond to all kinds of sensory things through the mother by patterning, just like a, you know, a baby duck follows the mother and does everything the mother does. Um, there's a great book by Sue Gerhart called, uh, and it's a very academic book, but worth reading, called Why Love Matters, mm -hmm. How Affection Builds a Baby's Brain. Mm. And so in this book, she talks about how important... Uh, it is that the mother's presence is already creating the capacity for the child to understand themselves as a separate person. Mm -hmm. and that takes time, uh, that relationship with the mother. So back to those first hours of birth, uh, after birth, um, the, we have to understand this because sometimes you can't avoid it, right? right. And that happened in, in one of my births. Yeah. Um, it was an emergency C-section. Yeah. My life was in danger, so the baby's whisked away. Yes. And two hours later, I get to see him finally. Yeah. Now, I noticed in him as a child 
um, just anxiety, anger, Mm. because, you know, they don't understand why they're being pulled away. And um, narrating the story of his birth has been really important to him because he has all these emotions and he doesn't understand where they came from. Why do I feel this way? Um, Why do I get overstimulated? I mean, you think about the beepings, Mm -hmm. the, you know, all the people in the room and the monitors and the lights. And this is overstimulating for an infant. And so, you know, he has that uh, capacity to be overstimulated. More fragile. And and so it's been really important for me just to narrate what happened. He asks questions. Mm. Where was daddy? Did it hurt when they cut you open? Mm. And, And just we have that conversation and it gives... A framework for his feelings yeah. and I can even say that must have been really scary for you when you didn't know where I was because you'd always been with me um, and then it becomes crucial to double your efforts of bonding when you finally are reconnected yes. by not letting that child away from you you know touch <laughs> yeah. lots of touch and they're um, in those first months you know the baby bonds through touch bonds through smell yeah. bonds through sight and these come in succession, and if the mother has to go back to work at six months, or she has to go back to work at 12 months, or, or 12 weeks, I'm sorry, that six months, that'd be great. Six weeks, 12 weeks. Those are key times when a baby is going into another stage of connection and bonding. So we've talked about how you know, that process can affect bonding, just the, the um, conception and Um, the time in the womb, which, by the way, can be another time when somebody needs healing from even their time in their mother's womb. Yes. And so let's, Catherine, let's turn a corner here because we're all sitting here thinking, oh, no, we did everything wrong. Our children are going to be mass murderers. But I know that doesn't have to be the case. What is the good news here? So there's good news all along the way, and I think we're going to get to some of that later, but I will introduce some good news now. And that is, you know, I love how Nicodemus says, you know, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, you have to be born again. And he says, what am I going to do? Get in my mother's womb and be born again? And I think that's what we all feel like. Okay, I can't crawl in and do this all over again. Or I can't stuff one of my children back in and try to do this differently. And that's what I think is so beautiful about the gospel is Jesus says, you have to be born of water and the spirit. Now, we understand water to be baptism. And in baptism, you're getting the whole life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It becomes yours. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's extremely important to understand that Jesus had to come as, first of all, conceived and then birthed and live his life because he's redeeming all of our story. He's yes. re- redeeming all of humanity. So he had to it, redeem all of our experience. Mm-hmm. So we get to access that life in Jesus by being born again mm. and coming into his family. Yes. So there's a lot of hope. And we can talk about how that manifests specifically later, how you access yes. that life There's of Jesus healing. and healing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No, so, so many so of us do think feel that. Yeah. You know, we hear this stuff and think, oh, I've ruined my child or I had a horrible life because my parents ruined my child. But, but we forget to put the cross in the middle of all that. Right. Yeah. Oh, the 
if we didn't have hope yeah. for healing here, yeah. right, we would just be um, despair. trumpeting despair here yeah. because of what's going on in humanity. Yes. But this is why it's so beautiful that we can offer hope. Amen. So, you know, when you go from birth, then you go from uh, the the bonding that unfolds in the life of a, of a child. And it's really in the early weeks of a child's life when a mother and father live out a daily welcome Mm -hmm. to the child in their arms. It's their bodies that hold the child Mm -hmm. in a place of love until his or her own psyche fully develops. It's their eyes, their ears, their hands, the mother's breast that gives the baby an inner life as well as an outer one. And while doing this embodied work, which may just seem like mundane, like is a child getting anything from this? I'm just changing diapers. You know, um, something very internal is happening in the child. And I like to think of it as a hidden tabernacle is being constructed within the child where there's a presence. There's a sense of, and you know, in the tabernacle in scripture, there was this light that never went out that was the presence of God. And in this sense, a mother's building an inner habitation for her baby. And when she keeps lighting the lamp of presence by her own presence, no, you're here, I'm here, and you light it, and it goes out, and you light it again, you light it again, eventually the lamp is lit permanently. Or if it blows out, the child has learned Mm -hmm. to relight it because he was with the mother when she lit it over and over again. Mm. Um, And so these feelings of love mean nothing to an infant if they're not embodied in a known and loving body. So it's presence that Mm -hmm. creates personhood. It's not just, you know, I'm away from my child, but I have so much love for them and so much feeling for them. That's not going to mean anything to a child because they need uh, that presence of the mother. So it's really amazing what they've found in science um, to show what actually happens in bonding between a mother and child. And I'm going to say mother, even though it's extremely important for the child to bond with other people, but actually since the the bonding began in the mother's womb, Mm -hmm. she's the logical person that we're continuing this with. And um, so they found in science actually support for why it's important that it's the mother. And one... Um, psychologist uh, talked about how in it's not kosher right now to say, you know, right. the mother. You have to say caregiver or whatever. And she said, but, you know, behind closed doors, we all say it's the mother. We all know it's the mother. So as the mother and baby are together, brain receptors are created for future attachment, mm-hmm. which enables a child then to branch out in love and connection to others. In that pair bonding that's happening with the mother and child, oxytocin is released in both the mother and the baby as mm-hmm. they're physically close. Mm-hmm. And this seals their bond, and it makes them more responsive to one another. Yes. And uh, it's, it's cool because this oxytocin sets up, sets up sort of a feedback loop, sure. which gives mother a little extra help mother as she begins love. to learn later gets, down her life for her child. Right. She's more able to sacrifice for the child, like if I've had the experience of mothers who really are irritated by their children, don't want to be with them, it's often because they aren't with them enough yeah. for this oxytocin to, to kick in. To kick in. mommy love hormone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, more, the closer her physical bond is with her child, the more oxytocin is released in both of them, mm. which enables her to meet his needs more instinctively 
and gives the base, baby a, a baseline of well-being. Now, when that physical connection is disrupted, it makes it even more phys- it makes it even physically more difficult for a mother to bond with her child, and as we said, you know, not see her child as burdensome. Um, in pair bonding, what's happening in the baby is the creation of a sense of self. This happens specifically in relationship to one stable other. And this is really important because a lot of people feel like, you know, people will be, uh, I want my child to bond with lots of people so that they'll be, they'll be good with lots of people. But actually, if you want that, if that's your main goal, then you need to let this child bond with one person. And it it really is the basis of monogamy, too, to find out that I can be happy in the love of one person. And then that enables the child to go further out and and love other people and attach to other people. So um, this solidity of the baby's identity bears a very real correlation to the constancy of his mother's embodied presence. Because early scattered attachment, in which a child has no specific one person to bond to primarily, or it's just scattered among several, um, makes that uh, that interrupted connection with the mother, makes it more difficult for him to bond with other people, makes it more difficult for him to feel a great sense of peace in in self. I am a person who's loved and accepted. Yes. Becoming human. Uh, Ranald McCauley from Labrie actually wrote a book with that very title. And we are going to talk more about this. This is like nectar from the gods. I'm loving this. So, Catherine, do you mind if we uh, go off air right now, but we're going to continue this and do part two, if that's okay Absolutely. Okay, great. So, thank you for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, Carol Joy Side, to subscribe to the monthly newsletter and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. Blessings.